This is so fantastic that it's the account of episode. All right. So is this, are we, like, is the preamble us having this, or are well, we, I got a hint, are we done with the show? Are we done with our Oh, this is going to be part of the show, okay, all right. Well, you wanted it part of the show. Well, I, I yes. Okay. <laughs> That's true. That's Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Good day. Hey. Hello. It's the Money Mechanic in the garage as usual, and my buddies are with me. The accountant is here. And the economist. Hey, we're getting better at doing that one by one. Nice. Well, you did point. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we should use some <laughs> visual, <laughs> some visual cues. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Uh, we should have learned that before episode twenty, but oh well, here we are. <laughs> nah, we didn't. All right, let's get right into it because the preambles last a long, long time. Cheers, first of all, to the homebrew. This is a beer show, right? This yes. is a beer show. This Basically, it's a, a beer show where we break into finance eventually yeah. uh this is a hefeweizen that was brewed by fi garage brewing fi garage brewing yeah, yeah. Uh, on sale near you that's pretty not soon definitely not soon <laughs> finding a location is impossible pretty pretty flat guys well it hasn't been dude i told you yet <laughs> i told you i just kegged it today jeez yeah but it's still pretty flat yeah, because it has no zero. carbonation zero none you're, you're supposed to be tasting for flavor okay do you get bananas in there it's got a nice flavor I get taste profile. Fruit. Any uh, clove? I get bananas when I smell it. That's going to be really good once it's carved. Yeah, I yeah. think it turned out really well. Yeah, we're we're improving. We're getting better. We're getting better. Yeah, return on investment is. Uh, I feel off. like we're getting better at brewing faster than we're getting better at podcasting. Uh, yes. Okay, but I think they're going to level out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're just going to be like, oh, man, Bad it's hard to get <laughs> better at anything. <laughs> right on. Well, cheers, boys. That was ours. But more importantly, we do have a beer from a listener, which we are always very, very appreciative of. And if you get a chance, you can go to the website and click on buy us a beer. You buy us a round of beer. We shout you out and you get to choose the beer. Hopefully we can find it. Then I don't have to drink this FI Garage Brewing beer. Hey, knock it off. <laughs> wow. No, uh. That was just a unwarranted jab at you guys, but uh, it's flat. Yeah, say it again. No, I had a question, <laughs> but now I can't remember. Okay, well, when you think when you think of it, please tell. Uh, so, moving right along, while the economist tries to become a beer connoisseur, we have a beverage bought by a lovely listener tonight, which is Sean from Nanaimo. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Buddy, appreciate this. We grabbed some white sails. Brewing, which is in Nanaimo, as his recommendation was the Mount Benson Indy Pale Ale. Yes, and Sean will be happy to know that I went to the liquor store this morning for this, specifically so I could get it cold all day, and then promptly left it at my house when I drove over here for recording. So well done. Made the trip twice. Not very mustachian of you, eh? No, it was not. This has, uh, this has some tasty notes. This has 7% alcohol. Holy crap, yeah. boys. It's Ooh, been a me. long day of beer brewing and smoking salmon. So the tasty notes are medium-bodied, classic Northwest IPA. Well-balanced, clean malt profile with subtle caramel notes. Balance a sweet, juicy melon and citrus dry hopping profile for an easy-drinking classic IPA. The nose on this is fantastic. Beautiful. Tell the people what an IPA is again. Uh, India Pale Ale. For all, for all the non-brewers out there. <laughs> for all the non-brewers out there. And who've never heard of Keith's. Oh, we've got... No, there's a request to drink Keith's on the show. Is there? Yeah. Oh. We'll be drinking Keith's on a future episode. All right. There we go. 
uh, I've got a little spiel from uh, White Sales, just to throw that in there. Is uh, It is a brewery in Nanaimo, as I mentioned. And it says here in the history, they've got this giant 100-person uh, tap room that sounds pretty cool, where I've never been to, but I'll try and aim to get there pretty soon. Maybe even have a beer with Sean. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it says the history, sh- history of the location is really cool, too. It is on the site of the old Newcastle Hotel, which was built in the late 1800s by the owner of one of Pacific Northwest's largest breweries at the time, Union Brewing. So I had a quick look at Union Brewing, and I couldn't like not mention this because it says that the history of breweries in the Harbor City, which is how locally we refer to Nanaimo, can be tracked back more than 150 years, and with it, tales of drunken sailors and bootleggers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we were born too late, boys. I, yeah. th- I think the Harbor City is how Nanaimo marketing refers to Nanaimo. Is it? I, I believe that's true. <laughs> Well, apparently, uh, the Union Brewing Company of the time is, it was on the property that is now Nanaimo City Hall. So, and it was one of the most successful operations in the area. So, there you go. Mm. There's your little history note and your fact for the beer. And I guess I better get my open all this talking. Yeah, this, is, this is tasty. You guys are falling behind. Oh, here. really? It's, yeah. uh, well, you need, to, you need to get wet first there because this is basically an interview the accountant episode because we are talking about. Now, Economist, you came up with this topic. Tell us about it. I did not. Oh, you did? Yeah, a listener came up yeah. with this. Well, topic. okay. Was yeah. it Findependence 40? Yeah. Yes. There you go. That's our buddy out in uh, Manitoba that I did beer tube with, actually. And I do apologize to all the listeners that are interested in beer tubing. I've been slacking off in the summer, but in the fall, we'll get back to beer tubing. <laughs> Findependence 40 wanted to have us talk about landlording and answer some questions about that. Is that what it was? He tweeted you directly. We all have separate Twitter accounts, so right. it gets a little it, confusing. He but. tweeted the FI Garage. Yeah. Which, which is, is you. Which is which is you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Um, and then I, I threw the question out. Uh, to the Twitter universe and got a couple more questions. So Perfect. So we'll run through those. And because the account is our resident expert, and I use expert loosely in that term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. But For you know, entertainment purposes only this episode. <laughs> get like that. all our episodes. Get it out early. Get it out early. Yeah, for sure. But you do have a lot of knowledge. You've been a landlord for how long now? A landlord for 12 years. 12. That's very impressive considering your young age. So yeah. you have had experience firsthand with tenants, with buildings, with problems, out of province. All the problems. Name it. Yeah. It's awesome. So it's good. It's good to learn from uh, your mistakes so we don't make them. Yeah. That's <laughs> a better plan. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into these questions. Well, how about first, what oh, do you think right, of the, the IPA? Notes. I got to do this. Well, I'm not the expert on beers. Apparently you are economist. Not tastes as, like flowers. Not as flat? Tastes like flowers. It's not as it's flat. Not a, less flat. <laughs> less flat. It's, uh, it's very sweet off my... We've, we've got a winner. <laughs> you know, as I choke on the Yeah, beer, I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Accountant, we're going to have to get good enough at this to be able to tell what hops are in there, hey? That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I had to pick our ingredients for our next batch this morning, and I kind of made it up. You'll be interested. I thought, so... No, I went, I went me, off script. You, I went of off course, script. You asked me what I wanted. I told you, and then you got something completely different? Yeah, that's that what how, you're telling me? That's how it works. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I Good. believe these hops are dry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Moving right along. Uh, it says right here, dry hopped. <laughs> dry hopped is a process. Yeah, anyway, let's get off the beer talk. It is a, it's a, it's a strong beer. I can taste the strength in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, not a ton of the tropical notes to it and a fair bit of bitterness, but to be expected from a good good IPA. So, All right. So the first question is, 
Yeah, take a sip right before you ask it. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> I take all this out in editing, you know that. I hope you don't. How come you only take out when you screw up? When we screw up, it always lands its, its way into funny. the final product. It does make it funny. Okay, first question is, and of course, in relation to landlording and real estate in general as a rental, is it even worth doing? With real estate so expensive, does the math work at any level or is it simply loss mitigation while hoping for future gains? So I'm going to interpret that as you're going to make no money off the property and you're just ho- hoping for future gains. It sounds like it's cash flow negative or, or cash flow neutral, cash flow negative. Right? I'm going to say if it's cash flow negative, then no, it's not worth it. But doesn't mean with today's real estate prices that you can't find cash flow positive. It just means that you might have to do some more work or get a little more creative. So is it worth doing? Well, if he gets it cash flow positive, then isn't it by definition worth doing? Well, okay, but I, think I mean, really I, get, I guess the, for a penny, maybe not. The base of the question here, though, really, don't you think the base of the question here is looking at people that are in relatively high cost of living cities, or even what we've seen in the last year, the explosion of prices in the secondary markets, that when you do some math on this, and that's one of the later things we'll have a quick look at here is doing some napkin math on it. If you're not getting, you know, that 1% rule, should you even bother getting into it for what, your time and your headache? What's so, the 1% rule? The 1% rule you'll often hear thrown around in the States is any property should rent for 1% of the purchase price per month. That's just a rough rule on how you know it's going to be a good investment property. Right. So um, on a million dollars, that's 10000 per month. It doesn't exist here. We all, we all <laughs> know it. Scale that back, buddy. Scale it back. We all know it doesn't yeah. exist here, but it doesn't mean you can't get good returns off real estate. Uh, the 1% rule is a rule of thumb. It's not a rule of law. Yes. And it all comes down to what you want out of real estate. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to what you want out of your asset classes and all that. I think you can build wealth a lot faster through real estate. Because of leverage? Because of leverage than other methods and through a forced appreciation. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're somebody who really wants to build wealth quickly, I think real estate can be the fastest route to that, but it's definitely going to be the highest work and the most work involved. So what's forced appreciation? Forced appreciation is you buy a dump, you fix it up. Now it's worth more. Right. That's what you're looking for when you can't get 1%. That's what you're looking for when you can't get 1%. And- that's what you're looking for when you have something and hey it's a two bed one bath house but there's 800 square feet unfinished and i can put in another unit maybe i can make it get me one percent or maybe that's where i can find my cash flow from that's where i'm saying you might have to be more creative you're not just gonna buy a turnkey house in this market and make good money off of it so so i think uh sorry i think one of uh findependence 40s or the crutch of his question was self-managed property versus buy a property and farm out all the work. Well, that's a different question. Right. No, but I think that was. So what you're saying is, is it worth it? Well, if you're willing to do the work, then you can find places that make it work, worth it. Is yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing what both of you are saying there. And I, I think you, you both got good points, right? Is the point the accountant is making there is, 
days are gone of buying a turnkey rental where everything's ready to go and you just find a tenant and move on and start collecting money. You know, the, maybe the question as the economist brought up there is like, you got to look for those deep value plays in this property that has been overlooked. It's got whatever problems it has. And you, you need to extract that value out of it by doing your renos to it, building it, another suite. And know. it's it's the same as anything. If you can solve problems, you can make money. Yeah. You need to find a property that has a problem, learn how to solve it, solve that problem, and you can make good returns. Learn how to solve it cheaper than the average person. Sure. Okay. And this is a good point because I think this is where we really hit a roadblock. Okay. Because I have no clue how to go and find a property that needs to be rebuilt or redone or reworked to extract that value. Sure, I can use the tools to rebuild it, but from a business standpoint, I don't have that experience. And I think that's where this question kind of fits into a bigger picture for people that don't have experience doing that. That's the kind of, is it worth it kind of question? Because that means I've got to do a ton of, spend a ton of time learning how to do it. And I think this is another one of those places where you need to build a community of people that know how to do it and help you kind of mentor you through it, join the local groups, build that information base. You got to build a base of like contractors and all these things that are really the roadblocks for most people to go, is it worth doing? Yeah. And I think if your plan is that you want to have one rental property with one door in it, probably not worth learning all of that. But if you plan on having multiple doors, multiple properties, like house hacking is going to be a part of your FI strategy, then it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, because at that point, you're you're scaling up. You're building it out. Yeah. Well, right. you're building that knowledge base to use more than just once. So what did you do at the beginning? Uh, I bought a house with one of my friends and house hacked. We rented a room upstairs and then rented a suite in the basement and lived for almost free. Did you keep the house after you both moved out or did you just sell it? He and then still lives on? there to this day. Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. So did you sell your portion? I of sold it? my house half out of it. Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay. And so, then flip that into future properties. Right. So now you've also been a owner of your primary residence. Yeah. And the first rental you bought, was it a turnkey rental or did you have to put work into it? We had to put work into it. Okay. Yeah. And you knew that going in and how did you figure that out? How did you know how to kind of look at that and go, how much money is this going to cost to renovate? What's it potentially going to be worth? How much do I expect for appreciation? We don't have to get into the nitty gritty numbers of it, but where did you learn how to figure that out? A lot of it was trial and error. Yeah. Trial and mostly error. Trial, <laughs> mostly error and friends who are carpenters. <laughs> friends who are carpenters. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it comes down to your network, right? Yeah. How, you got to have a network and, and you got to be willing to do it. Yeah. Well, I, we, my rental house that is just purely a rental play now uh, I bought and like it had shag carpet in the bathrooms. Lovely. Like, Love the it, bathroom carpet. Yeah. That's got to be the worst thing from the 70s <laughs> worst, ever. Worst 70s idea ever. of all time. That and Just don't miss. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that and do you remember the uh, like they took the shag carpet and made like the toilet seat covers What's out of it? What's with that? Yes. So the toilet that, seat falls it, down. It takes the tip of your yeah. unit off when it yeah. closes automatically. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, Grandma, I love you. You're gone now, but uh, really, those toilet seat <laughs> covers were terrible. Uh, so, so bad. <laughs> right on. Well, and I think my answer to this question is, if you're asking, is it worth it, and, and the math in your area doesn't seem to make sense, then maybe the active landlording 
is you're not right. You're not ready for that yet. Like you're not ready to make that leap. Right. And, and maybe you aren't and you just have to anyway, but I've always, I've said this time and time again, there's ways to invest in real estate that are more passive. Yes. Right. So you're going to get completely different results. It's a completely different thing. Totally. Yeah. But if you're like, oh, I can't make the math work on this rental numbers and I got to do a ton of work. If that's not in your wheelhouse or what you want to do, then. If you want to do it, like start listening now to a bunch of real estate podcasts, start like there's resources out there to start learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast to figure out whether you should do it or not, we're here to tell you that if you want to do it, go for it. But you're going to need to do some. More. You're going to need this to do isn't a whole the lot. End. This isn't the last podcast. No, no. <laughs> for sure. Now, this one gets a little more technical, but I know it's right in your wheelhouse here, account. And I just thought it would be a good way to put this question in now. And we don't have to go super, super deep into this. But the question was, what are some of the tax implications? How is rental income taxed? And what is it? kind of ballpark look like when it comes to what I can claim as far as expenses go. So there's no preferential tax treatment for rental income. Like you don't get a dividend tax credit. It's You're just not, like employment income. It's just, it's just added to it. It's just added to. So whatever your marginal tax rates at is what you're going to pay on your rental income. Or it could bump you up higher Or taxes. it can bump you up to higher taxes. The the one downside. It is going to bump you up to higher taxes it is, if you're making money. If you're making yeah. money, for sure. Um, the one downside is that you might have to pay tax on the principal pay down. So you might have to pay tax on money that you never actually saw. Right. If you're paying off two thousand dollars a month on your mortgage, well, you've got twenty four grand in extra income every year, but that cash never hit your bank. It went right. to paying off your mortgage. And you didn't get cash flow from it to pay it. You didn't get cash flow from it to pay it to help pay the taxes. So that's where I always say like you have to have a minimum of some tax or cash flow to be able to pay the taxes on the income generated from the property. Right. Um, and then your general Expenses are going to be, you're going to have your mortgage interest, you're going to have insurance, you're going to have property taxes, you're going to have utilities, you're going to have repairs and maintenance. And what about, how do you factor vacancy into that sort of expense line item? That's not an expense for tax purposes. Okay. You just don't have income. Yeah. You just don't have income. Like if yeah. you have a vacancy for a month, then you didn't bring any yeah, money right. in that month. So, so vacancy is going to be more of like planning out your numbers. That's more when you're running your numbers. Yeah. You want to factor in some vacancy expense, vacancy. but yeah. it doesn't apply for tax purposes. How does um, how does capital appreciation, de- sorry, depreciation work? So that's, uh, I never claimed depreciation on my properties. Our tax in the States, you get a huge bonus for it. But in Canada, the way our inc- our property market has gone is generally properties go up. And when you go sell them, if you've written off $100,000 over 10 years- Which you could. Which you could easily on the property. That's It's an option for you. I don't do it for specific tax planning reasons. But if you've written $10,000 off on depreciation a year for 10 years, and then you sell the property, that whole $100,000 gets included back in your income the year you sell it. Right. Assuming that you sold it for the same amount you bought it for or more. But that one's a capital gain. No. Oh, it's not? No. It's it's recaptured into your income. Oh, wow. Uh, so then all of a sudden, you've got a huge tax bill that year from selling your property and all the recapture on it. Right. I won't get into like the complexities, yeah. of, but essentially know that there is a way in which in the future, 
you might have to include all of the income that you've written off in depreciation on your property in one year back onto your tax return. So you're so kicking you're, the can down the road. You're kicking the can down the road. And, and the can might bite you in the ass. <laughs> the can the got can, way bigger. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's where if you're at the top marginal tax rate now. It makes sense. It makes sense because who cares if you're at the you're going to be yeah. at the top marginal tax rate later. Or later, maybe not. Or maybe not. But if you're at a 25, 30% tax rate now. And then in the future, you're going to have to pay 50 plus percent tax on that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense. So interesting that, you know, without going too deep, because we could do a whole show on like the income, the expenses and how you we're not do going the to ever. No, we're not going to ever. <laughs> At what point do I need to go and actually pay an account for this stuff? Is it, could I do it myself or should I be employing an accountant from day one to say, look, I'm getting a rental property. I need somebody to help me with the numbers. That uh, depends on your sophistication. Well, I mean, we're not asking you because you are an accountant. If you've done your taxes for yourself. Is that enough? If you're good at spreadsheeting? If you're good at spreadsheeting, you're good with math and you can kind of get a handle on this and you have one property, you can probably still file your taxes making the income statement for your property. Okay. You obviously do your own. No. no. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. It's, it's redundant, but... Give me an estimate of how long it would take me, and you know how well I spreadsheet. Oh, God. <laughs> if I were running my own rental property on a month-to-month -month basis and on a year-end basis. Like, just in a time-wise to do my own accounting. Are we saying how many times you call me during this? <laughs> no, <or laughs> assume you don't exist for this game. Uh, I don't. That's really hard to speculate on, like maybe a couple hours. A couple hours of the year. Kind of thing. Or, a yeah. month. God, no. No. So you need to be able to build a system, though, that it's kind of dealt Tracks with Tracks your expenses and yeah. maybe 15 minutes a month, the, the rent you put in, yeah. the whatever. The point I'm trying to get to is somebody needs to be able to be willing to do the work. Uh, yeah. Monthly and stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. Right. As, and this kind of fits into one of the things, one of the later questions is like what to consider or things you need to watch out for as a landlord, right? Yeah. So my point is, is if you're super uncomfortable with running all the numbers and spreadsheeting and tracking all this stuff yourself and you don't do your own taxes and you don't have software, then it's something, another thing to consider. Another thing to consider. And to learn. To learn. And that might be a good one if you are going down that route and you want to do it yourself. Pay an accountant for an hour to yeah. teach you how to do it. Totally. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's good to just have somebody show you how to do it first. Could you, could you use a guy or a person account for a year? And yeah. Get your system set up? And see, like, yeah, see how it all works and yeah. go from there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's just a, a good point to have, right? Something to take into account. Yeah. <laughs> see, I brought it. Yeah, I, I like that pun? I like that. That was good. <laughs> it's the 7% beer, plus I've been having a few pops today. <laughs> Root beer? Mm. Um. Do we need to talk anything more about expenses? Just briefly, maybe about the mortgage component of that, because I have talked to people where they're, you know, they're, they're going to use their HELOC as a down payment. Uh, is that tax deductible once they have a second mortgage? That we won't talk about their strategies of what you can do with putting all the expenses in and putting on your own mortgage and things like that. But just generally speaking, your expenses mortgage related are. Your expenses related to the property and earning rental income are deductible. Fair enough, right? That's your basic. That's that's all we're gonna get. Yeah, yeah, and and interest <laughs> is deductible, whereas principal isn't. 
Yes. I, you know what? We've been doing this long enough now. I'm looking at the economist when I say this, that I get the look from the account. That's as close as you're going to get to a real accounting answer. Stop. Because <laughs> uh, accounting's personal, right? Yes. Very. Yeah. Just like personal finance? Yes. Very much like Hold personal on. finance. We need to pause so you can have some beer. Yeah, thank you. I've just been answering questions all day. <laughs> that is perfect. Uh, okay, so the next question is, He's really good at yeah, saying the right? next question he, is and then taking a yeah, drink. He couldn't wait 12 seconds till like, he answered. Why, I don't understand why he can't handle that. <laughs> see like that first podcast. See that comedic gold I let you guys have while I was trying to swallow my beer and almost put it up my nose? We okay. almost had an electronic napkin situation again. You know what? We need to trademark that because I heard that on another podcast what? the other day. How yes. dare they? Who? How dare they? Who, who, who's ripping us off? Uh, it was actually a really interesting story. I was listening to... Oh, we're down a rabbit hole. <laughs> So I listened to the podcast called We uh, Study Billionaires, okay. or the Investors Podcast, okay. and they were interviewing an author who wrote a book about the WeWork saga, how WeWork went into like this billion-dollar company and then basically crashed and collapsed into nothing a year and a half ago. Because it was nothing to start Because it was a real estate company that they made a tech company, but the founder was like... Well, that's you got to listen to it. It's interesting. But anyway, apparently, the founder, he sat in the back... Well, he, he had an investor from the Middle East there, and within half an hour, they'd penned a $4 billion deal on an iPad in the back of the limo in between the guy's appointments. And he said, oh, it was basically like doing the math on an electronic napkin. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's our phrase. That's ours. Yeah. If it's in this book, I'm, yeah, anyway. Uh, okay, so moving right along, the next question is, what are some things to be aware of for a first-time landlord? Your tenant is everything. Tenant. Tenant is everything. So tenant selection is key? Tenant selection will make or break you as a landlord. And part of that goes along with quality of property. Right. Like you're slumlording, you're getting slumlord tenants, and they will make your life a nightmare. You don't properly do background checks on people. They will make your life a nightmare. And... I hate to say this, but give no one the benefit of the doubt. That's fair. Yeah. Like if you think, hey, this person seems really nice. I don't need all the proper paperwork and I don't need that. They won't screw me over. Yes, they will. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. they will. And this is first-hand experience. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What's your success rate? I, see, that's the one that everybody always talks about, the nightmare tenants. And I've had probably 50 different tenants and I've had one nightmare tenant so two percent two percent okay but how about how, how many were bad tenants see how quick i did that math how yeah, many yeah. were bad that's, tenants that's because i mix mix gas for the <laughs> 50 to one two percent yeah. nice uh, uh <laughs> bad tenant maybe two percent three percent on had, top of that you just said two oh, percent no two percent of nightmare tenant maybe so you've only had three bad tenants like one nightmare, two bad. One, one nightmare, two not great, and everybody else has been amazing. Yeah. Wow, I can't wait to see the account's tenant rating scale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a uh, nightmare, not bad, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's one like star, two one, star, three, <laughs> or nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this dovetails into the other question that we were going to get to in a little bit, but it was also the same thing, is then um, what do you do? What do you look for when screening potential tenants? If tenants are the number one thing to look out for, what do you do to try and figure that out? I want 
a lot of references and I don't want personal references. Okay. Like I want your boss's phone number. Yeah. I don't want to talk to your boss and I want your last landlord if possible. And if you're haven't told them you're leaving yet or whatever, then I want preferably somebody else that I know that you also know, especially in Victoria, it's not that hard to actually do that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's most of my tenants. I think all of my tenants right now, I have a two or three degrees of separation from them. Plus I talk to their bosses. So how come, how can you know that I I'm renting, uh, from the mechanic and he, you and him don't know each other. And I just give him your number because you're my buddy. And I say, he's my last tenant. How do you know you're not getting in that situation? Well, you got to start firing them a whole bunch of questions. Like how long have they lived there? How long have you known them? You know, uh, try to find out a bunch of information from them first before you call people and then see if the stories check out. Right. So how long does it take to screen somebody? Probably half an hour, hour. Okay, that's pretty quick. I was thinking by the sounds of it, like you're pulling the whole Magnum PI thing there and going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I don't go that far on people, but it really helps if you can find people that you have an acquaintance with. I think, okay, so now here's, I, this is going a little off track here, but do you think you're lucky these days because our tenancy rate is so low that you basically can cherry pick your tenants, right? Like that back in the day, it was like, you had your credit reference, you filled out the application. They had like a couple people to choose from. And I, I used to write cover letters. Do people still do that? People will still do that. Yeah, like, the other one actually that I forgot to mention that's really telling is people's social media. Well, I, was, I didn't want to bring that up because people write yeah. a really, a lot of dumb stuff on their social media. <laughs> so you I asked will, for, I will, no, I a hundred percent my wife is fantastic at it. She will find them on Facebook. She'll find them on Instagram. And we've had a bunch of people that seem great. And then you see their Facebook profile and you're like, yeah, not a chance. <laughs> I am renting to you. Right. And I think that's a real thing. And all across society now, you realize that you could go for a job interview and oh, their potential employer looks at your Facebook profile and they're like, yeah, your weekend life. Nah, maybe it's not uh, uh, in line with our corporate not, values. Not in line with values. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a Facebook, so. See, there so you go. Do you just not rent to me because I don't have Facebook? No, it's just it's just another metric. It's to, just another metric to yeah. find. Like I, I generally count that as a plus if people don't have social media. <laughs> I'm like this guy's probably got his head screwed on. All right, <laughs> or they're so far out there, you kind of have to be worried. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. normally tell that when, like, I will never rent to somebody I haven't met. Right. Okay. So, so when there's the, always when, an in-person meeting. When, there's always an in-person showing, and I talk to them the whole time. And people who won't talk to you. They're out. Okay. Yeah. Like they won't so meet with you. That will, that just want to see the place and don't actually like interact engage. with you or engage yeah. the whole time. That's always a telltale sign. Well, of course, because you're forming a business relationship with the person. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And so here's a question that I thought about that was a little off script here, but when it comes to tenants, each province in Canada has slightly different legislation is that the right word legislation or rules between tenancy laws tenancy yeah. laws between landlord and tenant i think it's imperative that you as a future landlord or as a current landlord, know the rules know the rules yeah because there's frustration when the tenant has more 
quote unquote rights than the landlord does, et cetera. So wherever you live, know your tenancy laws. There's nowhere in Canada that the tenants have less rights than the landlord. So, but there are some provinces that are even, BC is probably the worst place to be right. a landlord Yeah, in terms of the tenants have almost all the rights. I think it's a valuable thing to take into account if you're considering being a landlord is look into the potential headaches because without getting too deep into any of your stories, when you have a troubled tenant, and it's frustrating to try and negotiate the right settlement for everybody. And and that's the other one that I will say is when somebody like act immediately, mm-hmm. this might sound harsh, but you don't get rent on the first, you're dropping that eviction notice on the second. Right. They'll either pay or say they forgot, like, you, you message them immediately. And if you get, hey, I'm sending you it right now. If you get, oh, I'm going to be late. Like, because you need all of that evidence. You need, it starts a big process in BC. And you can't give people the benefit of the doubt because they will, like, it's too late once it's day 10. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You're you're too far down the rabbit hole. Like, you're going to lose sure, two months rent instead of one. Exactly. Like, make sure you're on top of your paperwork and you know if things go south what paperwork you need to file, what evidence you need to keep, all that kind you of stuff. You should probably know that before you before have you an see. issue, right? Exactly, yeah. It just makes me think of a question too. Would you ever rent to a friend or family member? I have a bunch of friends in rental places. That, that you own? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just, does that, uh, obviously if your friends are paying on time and they're looking after your property, then it's a non-issue. But it's like that old saying is like, don't sell your friends or family a used car because of no fault of your own when it breaks down they turn around on you and it creates animosity when there shouldn't have been any i just i just make it very clear that like this is a business for me and i'm running it like a business yeah and don't take it personally when you get the eviction notice yeah and i've never had even an <laughs> issue no that's fair i mean you pick your friends well we're current we're existing proof right here in the oh room. god i need to evict all of them don't i <laughs> <laughs> you're in my house <laughs> The FI garage is technically my property. <laughs> right on. That, those are good points. And I think something super interesting to think about. And, you know, it's interesting. I thought that, you know, the question being is what should a first-time landlord be aware of? You didn't say anything about the broken toilet that everybody's worried about having to fix or like, you know, prop like property issues on the property or, you know, it's more like you're going to look after that stuff. It's kind of day to day, no matter what. That's like, Stuff you can go task, but it doesn't cause you mental anguish, yeah, right? Like, no, yeah. and the one that I will say it goes both ways on the the bad tenant, good tenant. Like when you treat your tenants well, they treat you well. Why do you treat your nightmare tenant so badly? <laughs> <laughs> that one wasn't on me. <laughs> but that I had a tenant the other day that is great, has been a long-term tenant and something broke and they know that I always fix things when they break. So she just took care of it. And I just got a message being like, hey, the toilet broke. I fixed it. Will you guys reimburse me for the cost? Yep. Done. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I always take care of issues when you have issues and you don't have to. It's not a hard time. She just was didn't want to have to call me. Just yeah. took care of it. Done. Problem solved. Like When you are good at upkeeping the property and you respond well to tenants, you get good tenants and they'll, they, they want to live there. They want to live in a nice place. They're going to keep it nice. You make it nice and they will maintain it. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the time you're going to get people that suck, but. Yeah. Well, wear and tear is wear and tear that happens on any house, right? Yeah. And I agree with you. We were, we rented for a long time before, right? And it's like the economist, you're a renter, right? So it's like, I negotiate 
okay, I'll do some gardening for maybe it's a discount. Maybe it's for having extra space in the shed or, you know, hey, if things break, can I just go ahead and fix them and keep all the receipts and submit them to you? Like have that discussion at the beginning. And if you're going to be the landlord, don't be afraid to have that discussion with the tenants and just like, don't push it on them that if you're going to do it, but if they're willing to do it, then, you know, figure it out accordingly. So it works for everybody. Well, and I always make sure like things are going to break. Yeah. Tell me, all I want you to do is tell me because it makes it way worse if you're like worried because you broke something in the house right. and then yeah. it spends a whole bunch of time being broken where yeah. it would have been a cheap fix before. And now it's a way bigger problem. Case in point yesterday, our sink doesn't drain in the kitchen, right? Like that's a classic rental house problem. Happens all the time. Because all the P-traps plug up in our sinks eventually. It's just going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So I get under there and it's pretty simple. It's basically, you don't need any tools to unscrew yeah. these two plastic bits go clean it out in the toilet or outside, right? Yeah. And put it back together. Well, I go to unscrew the first one and the brass, like the bit of the bottom of the sink, like breaks right off. Rookie. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has no idea what he's doing, no. eh? Yeah, I know. I guess not. But uh, <laughs> it would have been one of those things where had it been a rental house, for me, I'd be like, oh, no big deal. I make the quick phone call. Hey, I'm going to Home Depot to buy these parts to put in the sink, blah, blah, blah. That's fine, right? If you trust the tenant to do that, if you don't, maybe get a plumber in there if it's something serious, obviously. But, you know, things like that happen so quickly and all of a sudden we don't have a kitchen sink, but it's like a $35 fix to get the part and it really doesn't take any super technical knowledge to fix. Oh, the other life hack? Tenants who are carpenters. (laughs) 40% of my tenants are carpenters and it's amazing. I'll get calls being like, I don't like this about the house. Can I change it? Yes. I'll pay for I'll pay for the materials. You go right ahead. <laughs> I've heard that story a few times actually, is people wanting to update, like put it, I want to put mm-hmm. a deck on the back of the house. If you pay for materials, I'll build it for you. Done. Done. Yeah, like of this course. is yeah. I think there's a lot of bonuses and benefits to being a good landlord and having your good tenants, right? Because they'll they'll keep the value and maybe even increase it on the house. So yeah. So uh you said you had the one nightmare tenant. Yes. Is there anything you did wrong to get that tenant? Yes, <laughs> I, I definitely did. Uh, I did not meet the uh, girlfriend of the tenant. I only met him. And as such, uh, she was not of sound mind. Oh, well, that's kind of an, you, how do you plan for that? I do not know how you plan for Cause, that. Because you can't say to a future tenant is like well i want to interview all your future relationships as well yes um difficult one right difficult one uh covid hit and things went very badly so we could call that an outlier definitely an outlier definitely an outlier interesting though yeah and i think you know there's always going to be those stories with the outliers speaking of the outlier story i want to ask you this wasn't a question in there because people may or may not know but One of the things I thought about was for people in high cost of living areas that go, well, is it worth it in my area? No. Well, what about looking somewhere else in Canada where I can actually purchase a property and I can get high rental values? Do you want to talk about your experience? Well, you can't be active then. No. No, you're no, that's another question. We're gonna get we're gonna finish up on that question, but out of province deals. Okay, do you wanna ask the other one first? I don't care. Uh, Do you want some more flat half? No, I still got uh, White Sales Benson Mountain IPA, Mount Benson. 
It's not Benson Mountain. It's growing on me. All it's right. So am I, am I going with the uh, out of province first? Yeah. Go with out of province first because the, the last question that we're going to get into is whether we should be using a property manager or not. So Okay. Well, I will say. Because I think those work together. They, they do work together, but I will say the out of province got to be an area you know. And I didn't know the area. This well is enough. same for in province. Same as out of anywhere out of you need area. to you need to understand the area. You need to understand the demographics of that area. You need to understand the economy of what's going on there. And I will say one thing about property managers is a property manager is never going to give a shit about your property in the same way that you give a shit about your property. No, of course not. Right? It's just not going to happen. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Well, they, it, it's like your accountant's never going to give a shit as a big a shit about your money as you are. <laughs> <laughs> are you poking at him? Yeah. <laughs> I give a pretty big shit about people wasting money. Good, he gives a pretty good shit when I email him about stupid questions. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would say for... Okay, your investment advisor's never going to give your a shit. Your investment okay. advisor's <laughs> never going to give a shit. Well, I think the problem here... Okay, well, so... Two things. Let's just narrow this down a second. Uh, let's talk about the property management side of it first. Right? Okay. Because that's an option whether it's in town or out of town. Right. So I've never had to choose a property manager. But right, right there, that's like a whole nother interview, right? Trying to figure out whether interview. the person or sometimes you just employ a company and you don't – do you even get to pick the person or they just have a representative of the company that becomes your property manager? Like how totally, much – Totally depends on all of that. How much hands-on do you get to be to choose the person that – you obviously have to interact with to get stuff done in your property in your in your stead. Well, that I chose my person out of province. Right. And the company sold and I didn't know. Oh, wow. And my person was no longer employed at the place. But kept going? The place kept going. <laughs> but your person was no longer working on it? They didn't tell me. That's when I ran into all of my problems. Right. Well, that sounds like another outlier. Yeah. But- it's something to be aware of. It's right? something to be aware of. Yeah. Um, I believe the question you were referring to was the, is it even worth it to manage it yourself? Why wouldn't everybody just get a property manager? Yeah, basically. That one? Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely, it's worth it to manage it yourself. What's a typical cost for a property manager? Minimum 10%. Minimum 10%. Of gross. Of gross. Right? So, like, yeah. my, my gross rental income every month is seven grand. So, by managing my properties myself... I'm saving $700 a month right there. Yeah. How long does it take you? Uh, most months, about 30 seconds to check my email <laughs> that the rent has been transferred. <laughs> right. If so that, that's over two grand an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just had to check my math. Yeah. <laughs> but when things go wrong, you need to be on the phone to contractors, to a team of people that can deal with the situation if you aren't hands-on to do it yourself. Yep. For sure. So you got to, what I'm saying is you, you got to build your team. You got to build you gotta, your team. You got to know who you're going to call when stuff breaks and what you're going to do. But I had a fridge at one of my places broke last week while I was on vacation. It took me 15 minutes. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I called my parents repair guy, said the fridge in the suite's not working. Can you go check it out? He went and checked it out the next day. He's ordered the part, should be installed this week. It'll be back to full, like, it's not like they lost their fridge for a full week. It just yeah, yeah. was turning on and off intermittently. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, that it's very easy to handle things once you're, it sounds a lot worse than it is. Right. Like, oh, the toilet broke in the middle of the night. Okay. Well, do you have a plumber? Like it's a phone call. Yeah. It's one phone. Like 
for people who I, I know most of today's generation is terrified of making a phone call. <laughs> <Yeah. but laughs> if you have people that you know will pick up the you phone. Might have, well, you might even be able to text them if your relationship's good enough. Yeah. There are people I have literally texted and been like this, bro, can you go to the house and fix it? And I get a yes back and it's done. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and there's a difference between managing it yourself and doing all the repairs, right? Exactly. Good point. That's And that's... And that's your choice, personal. Totally. And when I, I will say doing all the repairs yourself, not worth it. That's what I did when I first started because I didn't have the money mm-hmm. to call a guy and need to do it. I am well capitalized now. I don't care. Right. I, it's, I'm not going to stress about it. Somebody else can stress about it. That's mm-hmm. their business to stress about it. Yeah. It's yeah. not mine. Yeah. I, and I think this is an interesting distinction to make now is that you've created your rentals. They've become a, a business for you that it operates in a semi-passive state, even though you manage it, mm-hmm. but it's different than myself who would buy one rental and me being me would go and fix everything all the time. Right? Yes. Right. So economist, I think you brought up a good point. There is know thyself. Which one are you going to be? Are you building a real estate business mm-hmm. that you're going to operate as a business manager or are you running a mom and pop shop to be a landlord and be a repair person? And do you want to? And do you want to? Yeah. Like, well, and that's an important one to bring up is, so the one-off and you know yourself and that you do it. And I have people that I call. Now, if I wanted to be a real estate mogul mm-hmm. and I want a hundred units, absolutely, I'm having property managers. There's yeah. a 0% chance I'm doing that myself. I have four units. It's not hard to manage four units yourself. If I was at 10, I'm probably at a scale where I'm going to have a property manager. I'm probably going to be able to negotiate better rates with that property manager because I have 10 units. It's not going to be 10% such a big is going to be such and such a door. Yeah. Or you get to a point like I know a couple smaller guys who have 10, 12 units in the city and they pay a guy a salary and he lives in one of the units and he takes care of all of them. Right. Boom. And he does Headache the work. Done, and he does the work. Yeah. And now that's his whole job. Yeah. Now you have one employee, that's his job. It's a small haircut off the top and you literally don't ever have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where I really struggle, right? Because I totally hear what you're saying, right? I And I've listened to enough real estate podcasts. I've read enough about it. I'm interested in it. I want to take that step. And I think that's where these questions come from. But it's that underlying doubt and going like, oh, do I want to be like a real estate investor and have multiple doors? Or do I just want to have a rental property to diversify my portfolio so that it backs me up from the stock market and I can put some capital in there? And that's to me, is the scary part of going like, okay, sure, I can finance a rental and do it, but now I'm a landlord. And which kind of landlord am I going to be? So it, it comes down to that ultimate question, right? It's like, you got to do some soul searching of what you actually want to do. And what you want out of the property. Yeah. And then do the math on that side of it, right? I think people are doing the math the wrong side of the equation, right? They're doing the math forward looking without thinking about where they fit into the business of their rental. Yeah. Well, I, as you guys know, I sold one of my rentals early last year. Uh, I guess at the end of 2020 and it was my highest yielding property. But like I said, you have crappy properties, you have crappy tenants and I always got crappy tenants at that property. 
Yeah. And it made me a ton of money. Yeah. And it was not worth the headache. So it was time, headache, and psychological reasons. And just the place was, you couldn't keep it in repair. It needed to be torn down. Like, I originally bought it to tear it down and build, and the city got in my way, and it just, it made me a ton of cash every month. But it's not worth it Mm -hmm. if you're losing sleep over it. So if you know you're somebody that's going to stress out all the time about, what if my tenants call me? What if this happens? What if that happens? It's probably not for you. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it super hard, right? Because you don't necessarily know yourself until you're in that situation, right? Like look at how many people we've talked or how many things we've talked about on the show and how many people we've heard from as as like just going to becoming a DIY investor in ETFs in the stock market is like a huge step. And once they get past that, they're like, oh, that was super easy. Why did I struggle for so long to do that? But these, this is like this next level stuff where you're like, I don't have any clue what kind of landlord I'm going to be. I'm an introvert. I don't necessarily want to deal with people. I'm not an introvert, by the way. (laughs) We couldn't tell. (laughs) But, you know, we hear from those DIY investors, but we don't hear about the ones who fail. Well, exactly. Right? That's the problem too. Like real estate's such a raw, raw win story. Yeah. But then you get like the outliers that are like the, oh, it was the worst experience ever. The house was garbage. There was rot in the ceilings and blah, 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 blah. Right. And you hear that with your uh, network, you hear the raw, raw on the social media. Cause yeah, well, I think, I think yeah. the other one you get a lot is you get a lot of people who will just throw out make-believe numbers, but, oh, I bought this house for $100,000 four years ago, and I just sold it for $200,000, yeah. <laughs> and I made a hundred grand. and you're like, but, okay, so you made a hundred grand, but you paid real estate commissions, so let's say you made 90, and you paid property transfer tax, so let's ma- say you made 85, and then you paid a mortgage cancellation penalty of 10 grand because you sold it before you were done on your five-year term. So let's call it, you know, 70, 75. And then actually you had to do about 25 worth of repairs over the four years. And you start looking at it and you're like, you just are running the numbers wrong. Your return was terrible. Mm -hmm. You're just taking it as what I paid for it, what I sold it for. And you've just bled cash flow in between and different expenses and capital repairs. And you're not doing the math right. And your return actually was not good. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And I think there's a lot of skew in the numbers when it comes to real estate. People can do that. Yeah. Okay. We've been talking for a long time. Let's wrap this up with a couple last quick questions. Uh, these two go together. The one was, how do you determine the correct amount of rent to charge? And also d- into that one, they say, do you use a percentage of purchase price or do you go by comparable units in the area? Basically, what do you? how do you determine your rent? Well, you can't just decide you want to get a percentage of your purchase price no. for rent. No, you well, can't. It's, well, well, you can. Okay, but... but I so apparently you if you advertise you have to rent for that you can't uh, you can't have a renting war is that true I don't think so okay maybe I don't know anything of that so it's it's not like rent is eighteen hundred o r o or rent or offer right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey but we might have something here you you get you as have, much as you want you, you have can to, right you have to do your research and you have to see what things are renting for and you have to remember that if you are at the high end of rents in your area you better be a super high quality unit and if you're charging high rents for the quality of unit you're getting you're going to get the worst tenants because they don't have other options right so you have to like if two bedrooms are 1900 
and you can probably rent yours for 1900 or you can rent it for 1800 and have your pick of the litter on applicants. Mm-hmm. I generally lean towards going 1800 and pick of the litter rather than going 2000 and rather than going 2000 and there's some guy that nobody else would rent to so he's stuck renting he, your place at he'll 2 pay grand. The 2k. How many of your tenants have pets? Uh Why why you got to slam on the dogs? Again? I'm not. <laughs> One. Did you make an exception or did that unit is pet friendly? Yeah. Yeah. Did did we answer those two I, questions? Yeah, we did. We did. We did. We did. It's mar- it's you got to determine your market. That's I, the answer, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to determine I, your market. I want to end this podcast. Well, one okay, I have well, one more question. Sorry. Let him go. All right. How do you fit a tontine <laughs> <laughs> into rental property? Uh, the serious that's question. Just, that's just a joint venture <laughs> that uh, you're not allowed to leave it to anybody else. It immediately goes back into the JV. Does the tontine work as well on radio? No, it's uh, probably terrible. not. Yeah, no, of course not. We guys... just finished our drinks, except the accountant stopped halfway. Well, because I had to talk had to about answer it. the question. Jeez, yeah, I want to hear a story to end this episode. <laughs> I'm probably not going to want to tell it. What? <laughs> you, you don't have to because I can edit this out if you don't want to tell it. But I want to know what you should consider if you're going to purchase out of province. What you can should consider if you're going to purchase out of province. I'm going to say if it's your first purchase, don't. If it's your second purchase, don't. <laughs> if it's your third purchase, don't. Okay, okay. Uh, if it's your fourth purchase, you're going to need to consider location, industry, what kind of property management options you have, uh, what is the prospects for the town look like, what are the growth in population or decline in population of where you're going. Are you buying into a sawmill town and the sawmill is about to close? Are you buying into a growth town? Are you buying into downtown Calgary, which is now completely empty? Sounds will like an, a good time to buy, isn't will, it? <laughs> will, an, will an oil boom or bust destroy you? Uh, yeah. How's Fort Mac doing these days? How are your rental properties right. going there? Yeah. There's a lot of things to consider. Where are your renters going to come from? And where is your property management and your team going to come from? You, you're going to need a team. And you're yep. going to need a team you can trust a whole lot Those are lot the two biggest questions, right? And the team you can trust here. Okay, so great answer. And there's a lot to consider buying out of province, but it's really tempting because other provinces have, there's areas where secondary tertiary markets are more affordable and still have good rents. But at that point, I want to drop in that maybe what you should be considering if you want to be a landlord or get into real estate investing is considered joint venture. I thought you were going to say moving. (laughs) No, I'm not moving. No, joint venture because then you're partnering with somebody local that it has a vested interest in that property alongside you. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a good option. You're still going to have to do a ton of legwork on that. Totally. Totally. You got to know the person. It's got to be a, it's a relationship with the other person as much as it is a business relationship. Yeah. But it's a better option than trying to go it alone and being lost at sea and not know yeah. what's going on. I mean, yeah. to some degree, hiring a property manager is a joint venture. It is, but they don't have any skin in the property. True. So that, I think to me, that's yeah. the difference, right? If yeah. somebody else has got a vested interest in that property doing well, mm-hmm. then I'm more comfortable with that yeah. setup, right? And they become your property manager. Right. Basically, yeah. right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Right on, boys. Well, well, that was good. We got into a lot of real estate stuff there. I hope that answered a few of Independence 40s questions. He's probably sitting there going, you know what? Index and forget. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. 
but how have you done overall? Are you happy that you're in real estate? You mentioned a, a great passive income number that, you know, it's, it's there. It's there for the taking if you want to put the work in. It's there if you want to put the work in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, the bulk of my portfolio is because of real estate. Exactly. Yeah, right on. Cool, boys. Sayonara. Mount, See you next time. Mount Benson and out. Mount Benson and out. Oh, I forgot I had a small glass. There's still beer in this can. That's good. So what do you think? It's uh, it's no driftwood. It was World Beer Awards Canada Gold. Yeah, says that. It's a doesn't, it's, doesn't give the year. It's a good IPA though, right? Okay, yeah. I think it's a good IPA. It's no fat tug. Okay, but see the problem is right is you got to know how to judge your IPAs. Okay, how oh, do we judge we're your IPAs? Get a judgment no, no. lesson from the mechanic. most people can turn off now, and I'll just keep talking. Right? Okay, but, yeah, this is the after show. Yeah, this is the after show of this one, and there's no music yet, but you can turn off. <laughs> uh, the problem is right is like this is a 60 IBU IPA, mm-hmm. right? So that's a fair chunk of bitterness in it. What but does it, IBU stand for for our listeners? international bitterness units and what's uh what's I, a, I, I hope that's right <laughs> i think it is <laughs> what's sure. a stand what's like a run-of-the-mill ipa well in ibu okay so, okay so this is what i'm trying to get okay at, yeah okay, okay. <laughs> the run-of-the-mill has become different right because yeah. everybody's into the nipas and hazy ipas and things like that right, right. so there's not as much what's a nipa new england style oh, okay. ipa so it's a like, new england run I'm I'm guessing mm-hmm. I'm guessing, but probably closer to like thirty or forty, maybe even less. And uh, a hazy, probably similar ballpark. Okay, right. And the the more IBUs, the more bitter. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me let me explain here. So the, <laughs> the difference is is when the hops go into the brewing process. Mm-hmm. The earlier they go in, the more bitter so is extracted. That's tasted. And it also cranks up this bitterness units of the beer, right? The later you add the hops, the more aroma you'll get from the beer and the less bitterness. So in true IPA style, which was using hops as a preservative, Mm -hmm. they cranked in the hops at the beginning, which made them really, really bitter on the palate and not much nose. And that's why I'm saying this is actually quite good as an IPA because it's got a nice bitterness to it that's not... It doesn't turn you off. No, it no, doesn't. it doesn't. Right, yeah. but it's also it's totally drinkable. Yeah, and strong alcohol though, and it, it's more true to style because everyone's like, "What's a West Coast IPA or a, a Nipa IPA?" Or like, it's all these different ones now. This is like if you want just like a good pale ale or India pale ale. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with this one because a lot of them have gone overboard with the hopping or trying to do things no, way off style. Th- this is true to like the original India pale ale form. Yeah, and the color's good and. It, the critical thing for me for these original style is not getting too malty. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure the British ones were, like, back in the day when they were in the, the ships going, they were malty. But, like, that's a nice color. It's not too dark. Yeah. And it's... The economist should go get the fourth one from the pack from the fridge so that we can just, you know, split that. That'll be the post... Uh, Overtime it up? Post. Well, is it, I, isn't that just right now? Not, well, I can give them some flat half. No, no. We want the uh, we, we want, want the, the we want the rest of the seven percent. We, well, we can I'll, top up all our beers. I'll, pl- here. I'll play some music and then just keep the, keep this rolling. Keep it rolling. Yeah, just put it at the end. Do you play yeah. music now? Yeah, I always play music now. There's music at the end. Isn't we there? always play music. You have never even listened to our own podcast. I don't think he has. No, I don't think he's ever listened to our podcast. I don't think even once. <sighs> this Do is you why. Play it. Like, is there a button you press now while we're recording? 
Oh no, not while we're no. working. No, that's I part of the edit. editing process. Yeah, do you don't realize how much pros work production? I have to do? No, I thought it was. I was just. Oh, go while, while you're at the beer fridge. Can you grab the milk stout for me? I think you need to turn the uh, the beer fridge down to cold. Uh, yeah, well, anytime you want to pay the fridge bills around here, we can turn the fridge down. Did, why? Why is the kegerator not hooked up? Why is it in the hall? Because all the kegs are at your house. Do you know how hard I worked to get that for you? Yeah. Do you know how hard I, I worked loaded to get it your into the back of my truck at like nine a.m. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> if the economist wants to pay for the electricity to run, get that fridge colder, and you want to pay the electricity, I'm, I'm trying to get. Trying to get here we go. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, you're in. We're in you're overtime. You're on the show. We're in overtime now, Mrs. Mechanic. Can you open the doors? It's hot in here. It's so <laughs> hot. I'm sweating like the, the garage crazy. is hot. It's hot. What's the milk stout? Mm. It's a stout for, made from milk. Oh, you know what's exciting about this milk stout, boys? <sighs> Nothing. That, it, that it's got purple can. Came from Saskatchewan. What? Saskabush. This is the last beer to beer in my possession. Wow. From my Saskatchewan tradesies. And uh, the wife has been asking me for quite a long time when I'm going to drink that. And this this may be the longest living beer ever in our fridge. Yeah, beers tend to... So I this, actually... The half-life on beers in the Money Mechanics fridge is about 12 hours. For, <laughs> that's correct. Longer. You're that's not correct. wrong. Half-life? For all of our, half-life, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That's extended. That is done. Um, for all of our listeners, I was away last week. And the mechanic knows where my beer fridge is, and I expected to come home to empty kegs, and they are still full. Oh yeah, I was very proud of you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> it was a fitness week. Oh, you were also away. Was, okay, <laughs> that I makes a lot away. more sense. <laughs> I was away. <laughs> okay, so this milk milk stout is from Black Ridge Brewery, which is oh, should I have saved my glass so I in Swift Current, Saskatchewan? Oh, so dumb. So, yeah. yeah, this is exciting. The last beer tube beer, and then uh, we're back on the beer tube, boys. Where's the next beer tube going? Uh, that's a tough question. I have to look at my beer tube chart, my uh, my geographic chart of a- around Canada with the beer tube. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just drink out of yeah, the can Yeah, I, l- there, I left yeah. some of the can there. Oh, yeah. perfect. All right, here we go. Cheers. 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 The people who get mad at us for having a beer-only yeah. show are really going to love us for this. You know what? The whole point of this show is about beer. Yeah. We're not about... The, the problem is we couldn't talk about well, beer for 45 minutes. His. You have to be on a mic. Where's our fourth mic? Don't we have one? Do we have four mics? I think we have we a We don't want mic. her on the mic. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Background noise is just enough. <laughs> I just want to drink the beer. That tastes like a stout right there. It's a milk stout. What did you expect? I don't know. It was more milk. Saskatchewan. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might have figured out brewing out there too. I think they have. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, that is so, pretty good. So, do you know why it's a milk stout? Because it's made with lactose. Winner! Ding ding! ding, ding. They add okay. lactose at the end. How can you got so close to your microphone in after hours? Uh oh, cool! Because the my shirt is it's like wet. sticking wet. to this leather chair, it's so I need to be aware away from it. Heat wave! It's so hot here. <laughs> it is. It may not be real leather, which is part of the problem. That might be part of the problem. So I, yes. is that better? What I moved happened? it away. No, you're good. You're what good. happened to the salmon? Oh, you want the smoked salmon? Yeah, back where's too? the smoked salmon? Jeez. Yeah. Smoked salmon, go with a milk stove. This isn't freaking party time. Uh, yeah, it is. What? <laughs> we haven't had Does that a- TV work? Should we have the Olympics on? 
Yeah, can we put the Olympic? Oh, or Mario Kart, either way. <laughs> <laughs> FI Garage is going live in Mario Kart. N64. <laughs> that, I think it needs to be video for that. Mm-hmm. We still haven't figured out how do we video this now. Mm. I think we our need YouTube to invest is, in uh, uh, lacking uh, a video person. I don't really. I think just like a stuck on the wall video. Thing. That would be fine. Wouldn't our video person do that? Is this is this a sauna? Did you build a sauna down here between <laughs> I, the last time we were here and now? Where's the heater? Did, oh, did I miss something? Open the doors. Just go and open the door. Just reach out and open the door. Well, I'm that's the economist. I'm over here. I'm not near doors. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. When he was a young man, he could have reached. <laughs> he would have been able to get that years I my, ago. I hurt my back. Leave me alone. I'm old. Um, so landlording. Yeah. Landlording. Scale of one to 10. Well, how, how fun is it to deliver that eviction notice? <laughs> Actually, sometimes it's like the most relief you ever get when you finally can. Yeah. That's but it's, nice. it's got to feel terrible too. <sighs> I've never, I've never had to deliver an eviction notice though, to somebody who wasn't being a complete and utter dick so now here's the question do you go and buy a pizza and show up and knock on the door and then have it taped on the inside of the pizza lid so like it's like serving somebody and you're like hey john smith i got your pizza open it up you've been served <laughs> no no you don't because you don't want them to trash your house have you ever had them trash your house i've never had them trash my house no so no dog poop on the floor or anything no like nothing like that huh? I've, I've, got, I've, I've, got, I've got a secret for my rental house you pooped on the floor. No, I never pooped on the floor. Well, I'm from the house you rented or a rent? Yeah, a house I rented. Oh god, he what pooped did you on do? the floor. He pooped on the floor for sure. No, I broke a door. Like, I got mad. There was a the door. The door had a broken part to it. Yeah, and it was obvious. But there was there was one room where when the door opened, you'd never see the back of the door unless you were in the room and you closed the door. Right. So you opened the door. So I swapped the doors. <laughs> I put the door from the room and you can see the back of the door to the room you never see the back of the door. Right. And when they did the walk around, they walked into the room with yeah. the door open and they walked out of the room with the door open. <laughs> and you signed off? Such, <laughs> such a dick move. Yeah, well. I should have just fixed it. It wasn't a big deal. You wanted to get away with something. But again, this it, is good. When you're young and foolish yeah. and afraid of being honest right. is what it is. Right? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I've had a bunch of tenants before where they're like, oh. Try and hide stuff? No, not. The opposite. Hey, oh. I broke this. We're moving out. Like, you know, just just charge me for that, and I'll look and be like, wear and tear. It's gonna cost me thirty yeah. bucks, man. Like, here's your like. You told me a yeah. and b like you've lived here for three years and you've been a great tenant. Like, I I don't care. Yeah, there's one like, thing. I'm not gonna be a jerk about it. Yeah. yeah, that was one thing that we didn't bring up on the show, and and it gets into nuance. I think is like, at what point do you keep a damage deposit? Because from my understanding, is is like. We all live in a house. Walls get scuffed. You know what? Doors get scuffed. Things get worn. I think what it is, is if the place is not cleaned. That's the the only time I have. That's the only time I have, actually. Okay. Because I've had a bunch where like, hey, I broke this or hey, I did this. And I've had to call a couple of people and been like, if you don't come back here and clean this properly, I am keeping your damage deposit and they will come back and actually clean it. 
But I've had a bunch of people where it's like, yeah, there's some wear and tear here and there. And yeah. like, I'm probably going to slap on a new coat of paint. Exactly. But like, I'm not going to hold that a- yeah. against you. I'm, yeah. I'm not a jerk. Yeah. You're going to wash the carpets or whatever. You're yeah. Like, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. No, I, I think that's an interesting one though. And you know what? To me, it's like, that is kind of the hard part about if you're going to be a landlord is like all these kind of like, well, what do I do now? Or what do I do when that situation happens? Or, you know, the, the, like there is, why isn't there a freaking landlord handbook? Yeah. Well, FI Garage Landlord Handbook. Uh, yeah. I like choose your tenant wisely. Choose your tenant wisely. <laughs> well, and, and maybe it's one of those choose your own adventure ones where it's like right. step three. If you chose oh. wrong, go here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that might be a winner. Right, right yeah. there. Remember those books? Yeah. 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 You made a bad decision. Here's yeah. how we fix that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> well, that's. If so nothing, many, it'd be fun to have. Right. So many people nowadays too are like, oh, landlords, like they're so freaking terrible, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I have literally never raised rent on one of my tenants. Well, literally is quite a strong word. No, I that's literally have never. That that sounds like bad. News. What about your bad tenants? They oh, were, he was trying they, to get rid they of they them. Never, they never lasted long enough they never for me <laughs> to raise rent. But I've always gotten to the point where I'm like, well, these people are amazing. They're taking amazing care of my property. Like, I get it that it's bad business, but I'm just not like all of my expenses. Okay, so that's fine, but you do that long enough, and you're significantly uh, underutilizing your property. Yes, I mean that's where, especially I I haven't had a five or a ten year right. Tenant, yeah. So, that would be a case where, yeah, like I have to. Right. Absolutely. So at some point you're, you're not keeping up basically. Well, you're not. Right? Here's the, the other issue is in BC, we're only allowed to now raise rent by inflation, which mm-hmm. generally is like they mandate inflation at like 2% a year. You're not keeping up anyway. Yeah, but at least you're. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And. Again, I'm under. I understand that it doesn't make sense because my costs go up more than two percent a year in terms of the idiots at Victoria City Hall raising right. water rates by a hundred percent a year and raising my garbage collection by fifty percent a year. But I also it you learn the value of good tenants and like right now I have really good tenants and like I I could slap some of them with. A 2% increase, and I'm just not going to. Your tenants didn't even try and get rid of me when I came over and helped myself to your beer fridge. Yeah. Well, they, they know who you are. They've seen you. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Cause you mean the ones at the house I live in? I felt like an interloper. I was in there. I'm like secretly. St- oh, I told them. I'm like, this weird dude is going to come <laughs> over and probably steal beer from the fridge, but weird you just let dude? him do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've clearly got good tenants if they don't drink from your own beer fridge. Oh, I, I actually have told them they can drink from the beer fridge before. Oh. Well, see, that's like reverse psychology. Hey, the fridge is full of beer. Help yourself. And you're like, yeah. oh, I got to replace all those beers that I drank, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you think both kegs are still full, but you haven't tapped the other one yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right. I don't. I have no idea what's in the other one. <laughs> uh, smell first, my friend. Smell first. <laughs> Oh god. Oh god. No, no. No. I I like how you don't know the name of the beer that you're drinking of the beer we made. So there's the no fail and the ISA, isn't there? Correct. Or, or no, the super simple. It's not an ISA. You're right, it's super simple. Right. So do you know what we're making tomorrow? We're making an ISA. We're making a session. 
We're making a session. I thought we were repeating the ISA from OBK. Well, what do you think ISA stands for? Well, I get it. It's in a session. Yeah, but, but it's not anymore. <laughs> what the fuck have you done? I, I improvised. I improvised a little bit. Uh, of course you did. I spent time learning about hops this morning. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's more fun than real estate. I spent time working, which was terrible. Yeah. yeah. I got to stop that. No, you do. You do. You do. I learned about a new private lender in Canada. Oh, we have to talk about my business proposition, but it can't be on the air. Okay, well, let's not do that on the air. I'll tell you about the new private lender on the air. Okay, sure. Yeah. Found the salmon. Oh, salmon's back. <laughs> salmon's back. Oh. So this, oh, I, I'm sorry, listeners. This is West Coast wild sockeye salmon that was smoked today by my wife, and it is freaking delicious. My fishing didn't go well today, by the way. How many did you catch? Yeah, it didn't go well because you didn't call me. Oh, I didn't. I, I caught exactly zero fish, and my lines got tangled, and seaweed. And what did it, what did it cost you to fish today? To catch zero fish? Yeah. Oh God, probably hundred bucks yeah. minimum. Yeah. How, how many did you catch yesterday? Zero. Do you remember what we were talking about? The hobbies, the cost of hobbies. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's not. It's no, not a good cost. Not going well. No. <laughs> no. It's funny. So I wasn't allowed to keep fish up until August first. So before August first, caught all the fish. So, all the fish. Since August 1st, literally have not caught a fish. There's a new season of Alone, hey? Uh, yeah. I've seen every episode. Okay, yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about the salmon. Like, the lady that ate the, the beach fish. Yeah, just, why are you eating beach fish? I'm like, uh, beach fish, maybe not. Sun-dried? So Sun-dried fish? No, it was still floating in the water. Like, like floating in the water, dead but fish dead. Like, how long has uh, it been dead? Uh, like, come on. I, I get it. 37 days or so, you're pretty hungry. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, it's desperation times. Maybe a poor decision. Yeah. People are going to have no idea at this point what we're talking about. What's maybe, open? Maybe you Can't put that wait. in. Everything's open now. You can get sockeye? Look at both well, doors. Well, not sockeye. Both Chinook? doors. And outside. Uh, I believe. Yep, Shuganuk are open. Springs are open. Don't ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to play this. No, this no, this is the this, whole point. This it's is overtime. overtime. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's not a separate episode. It's just like the music's going to happen. People are going to turn off the podcast, and then it's going to be thirty minutes of garbage. Just absolute garbage. Just absolute garbage. Yeah. But it's actual fi garage. That's <laughs> <laughs> how it started. This is how it started. What did you guys think of the hat? Yeah, it was. It was uh, flat. There was there's no was no carbonation. That was that was his big complaint. Zero flat. Zero carbonation. But, the flavor realize? was great though. Yeah, yeah. I think that's amazing. actually the best flavor we've come. The up nose with. was very. Oh. The nose was banana. For me, yeah. I like yeah. the banana. I think a bit of that's going to come out with the carb, though. That's fair, dude. I want, got it. I want to yeah. pour you a bit of the porter. I saved some porter. We had friends. Then the porter is good too. Oh, I can't wait for the porter. It's, the next it's, one's oh. going to be a coconut porter. We can we we can crack Shit. the bottle if you really really want. To. No, I have to go home. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? I have to work tomorrow. Why do you have to work tomorrow? Because I haven't quit my job yet because I'm stupid. What, well, but why do you have to work tomorrow? Because I haven't quit my job yet because I'm stupid. No, but what has to be done tomorrow? I've been back at work for two days and I was gone for a week and a half. I have a lot to do. So, sick day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you need to be more Didn't efficient. you go on vacation for like three months and then came back and three days later took a sick day? That was at my other job. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely I did. Ah, so you've been gone for two weeks. Come back, take a sick day, two days. Well, but that's because what were we doing for the sick day? 
Weren't we? Oh, because we had curled the night before. Yeah. Yeah, so I took a sick day after two days back, after five months. It wasn't three months. It was six months I had taken off. Kind of same situation here. And I came back for two days, and then I took a sick day. Kind of same situation. (laughs) You you pretty much got no responsibility after six months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Well, no, you need to get to work early tomorrow because we've got to brew tomorrow afternoon, so. I know. That's that's part of my whole. i got to pull the boat tomorrow, too. What? What? Got to get it ready for Banfield. Oh, you're going to Banfield. Oh, hell yeah. When are you going oh, to Banfield? Nice. On the 20th. Well, it's also like Chinooks open. Your math, so. your math is bad. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's the 5th. Got to go into the shop. I need uh, my alarm started going off again. Yeah. 